0: Welcome to the KBB Review Podcast, this is episode 4 of season 4 and I'm still Andy Davis. Now for those of you who might be following such things, you might have noticed a bit of a gap between the last episode and this one, but there is a very good reason. I just haven't done it. Truth be told, we've got our awards coming up and the Bumper March issue of KBB Review and the special edition we do to give out at the KBB Show, and I've just been swamped with all that. So, huge apologies for the delay in this episode coming, especially because it's a cracking one too. all about the future of installation in this industry. We've talked about the massive issues retailers have with finding good fitters many times on this podcast, but it's not going away anytime soon. So, with no short-term solution, we have to look at ways to make sure we don't continue to face the problem in the future. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I was very honoured to host the first conference of the British Institute of Kitchen, Bedroom and Bathroom Installation, or the BIKBBI, of course. That was at the QE2 Conference Centre in Westminster, and you can see Big Ben from the window, so it was right in the heart of government, and it focused on recovery, training, apprenticeships, and attracting new blood into the sector. So in this episode, we have the highlights from speakers at that event. And if you have had any issues at all with finding installers, then you really need to listen because this is all about solutions from the top down and the bottom up. But first... As I'm recording this, we are down to our last few tickets for the KBB Review Retail and Design Awards 2022. So if you haven't booked yet, you need to do it now. Otherwise, you might miss out. It's on March the 7th, the Monday night of the KBB show at the Hilton Birmingham Metropole. And it's simply the biggest and best social and networking party in the industry. To sort your tickets, go to kbbreview.com forward slash awards to book now. Now, there's a very good reason that the BIKBBI conference was held in Westminster, as the issues around kitchen and bathroom installation play into many agendas that operate at government level. Consumer protection, apprenticeships, and the post-pandemic recovery of small businesses. And, of course, the sheer monetary value of the home improvement market. In fact, during 2020 and 2021, around £70 billion was spent on people improving their homes. And now about a quarter of that was kitchens and bathrooms. Now, to put it into context... That £70 was roughly what the government spent on the furlough scheme. That's a lot of money. So it's no wonder then that the BIKBBI patron and Government Apprenticeships Ambassador Stephen Metcalf MP opened the conference with a positive evaluation of what lies ahead for this industry if it can address the shortage of qualified fitters.
1: Now there is no doubt that events such as this and of course organisations such as the BIKBBI play an important role. They play an important role in promoting the sector but also protecting the sector and particularly protecting the consumers. And I think that's one of the most important parts of this, it's driving up standards and really making a difference. Now, as we've heard, I know the last two years have been difficult for all of us, but as we emerge from the pandemic, it's important we recognise the good work that has been done by many to keep people safe, and to ensure that the sector continued as best it could to thrive. And there's a lot to look forward to. I think there is much to be positive about. As we've heard, with renewed appreciation of one's homes, having spent so much time there over the last two years, comes the desire to make home improvements. We've heard £70 billion. And I don't see that that changing, because I think the balance is between home and office working is going to shift to where people continue to have that appreciation of their homes and this presents the people in this room with a huge opportunity which i am sure you are all going to be able to capitalize on however to fully embrace that opportunity we need collectively to ensure that the talent pipeline remains full That people recognise the diverse range of trades and professions that the sector encompasses. That jobs are rewarding, that they are well paid and you can build a full and successful career within the sector. And I think one way to do that is through a renewed focus on apprenticeships. Now I personally have always been a huge fan of apprenticeships. Having worked in the printing industry for 25 years, an industry based on apprenticeships. They are good for the individual, but they are particularly good for the sector as it attracts and hopefully keeps talent within the sector, ensuring that it has the long term future that I'm sure everyone wants to see.
0: And for BIKBBI CEO Damien Walters, that long term future has never had the focus that it has right now, thanks perversely to the experience of the lockdowns. Suddenly, the short term need for information and guidance gave the organisation a vital purpose in that moment. But as the wave of high demand followed, the long term skill shortages became more apparent than ever.
2: We had a step up, not step down approach adopted as our industry was in need. Again, a bit like a parish council, the odd trickle of phone calls coming ordinarily. During those early days, 70, 80 phone calls a day. And these were desperate times, desperate people. Small businesses that didn't know what to do, that didn't understand what was required of them. They had the same fear as we all did around this pandemic that was about to hit and the uncertainty that we all faced. But then they also had customers that were halfway through installations that couldn't leave the house but equally couldn't cook or couldn't bathe because their house was essentially a building site so we really did step up to the challenge and I felt it was incredibly important that we did so because our industry needed guidance and we we were there and the only people there to do that from that capacity our focus on supporting the SME during these extraordinary times was absolutely top priority We spent a lot of time speaking to government, to various different organisations around what could be achieved and what shouldn't be achieved and what we could and what we couldn't do that kept, obviously, ourselves, the community, the customers we serve, safe during these times. And we spent a lot of time and focus on working with the SMEs, as we continuously do. We became something of focus when the waters became a little bit choppy. All eyes were on the lifeboat, and for us... It actually served us very well because we took the approach to be there when people needed us. We had a 12% net installer growth during 20 to 22. This is phenomenal. You know, this is huge. There were people renewing in great numbers in March, April and May of 2020. You know, this is when we were told to stay at home and that people were dying in their thousands, yet businesses, small businesses, these aren't big corporates, small businesses were backing us to support them. That for me was very humbling and it it made it all worthwhile if I'm being completely honest with you. We now represent over 7,000 installers nationally. It's a drop in the ocean as to compare what we need. It's a drop in the ocean in comparison to what we've potentially got access to but it's growing. And it's growing because the people around the room here have invested in us and have supported in sharing the the good message of of our existence. If we haven't got installers there to fit the product for our manufacturers, our retailers, then it's really going to hamper our recovery and our bounce back from what has been a fairly challenging two years. Risk of reputational damage is a very real thing. Um, Think about the double glazing industry, think about the renewable energy industry, all boomed, all had access to lots and lots of money. It was fantastic. However, a lack of competent tradespeople to fulfil that demand led to huge reputational damage that almost closed the double glazing industry in the 80s and has caused significant damage to the renewable energy industry more recently we're not a million miles away from that people and it's really worth us taking an honesty pill and recognizing that so our focus for 2022 and beyond will be continue uh, to raise the profile of our industry and our part of the industry we've got to talk about installers it's that ugly end of what is otherwise a fairly glamorous industry the hairy ass fitter as they often be referred to well we need to change that Because it's these people that make a a big difference uh, and we need to continue to raise the profile to make sure that we attract good people in. We need to continue our apprenticeship development. This isn't a nice to do. We haven't got a plan B. They're not going to be parachuted in from elsewhere. We have to grow our own. We need to support our industry retailers to connect with new installers. We need to reduce the lead times so they can get selling, so they can capitalise on the consumer demand. That brings money in. That supports the manufacturers, the designers, the distributors. It benefits everybody. So we've got to help them and give them all the tools we can to do that. And we need to open up some meaningful dialogue with government on the topic of mandatory registration for home improvement operatives. It is a little bit like the Wild West out there. Anyone can get involved. And that can't be right. When there's a huge spike in demand for home improvement, it can't be okay that anybody is allowed to go in and do that work. Not for the professional installer that is up against that, not for the retailer that has to wade themselves through that nonsense. It's not good for the consumer who loses as a result of that. And we need to fix that. It cannot just be something that people get behind because they believe in it. It should be driven that anybody that goes into the consumer's home from a health and safety, from a protection point of view, that we know who they are and that they are competent to do that role at the very basic level. Innovation is critical. The industry must meet a changing consumer and installer expectation. Things are changing. The world has changed. We all want things differently. Our customers are no different. And we must change to meet that.
0: The change that Damien is arguing there must come from both ends of the equation. It is actions from the individuals right through to government policy. Paul Scully, MP, is the Under Secretary of State in the Department for Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy. He's also Small Business and Consumer Minister, and he was keen to underline the importance of the sector and pledge some very vague support, but also acknowledge that there is work to be done in many areas, not least of which, in the short term, is supply chain issues.
3: First of all, thank you and well done for the ingenuity, the flexibility that you guys have shown through the pandemic, uh, because it was a mixed bag for your sector, wasn't it? But obviously, I'm sure some um, of the sector did have to furlough and make some of the use of the government schemes, whether it was the loans, the grants and other things that we've been offering to help you meet your costs and to be able to continue your work through this. But on the other hand as well, I know because a number of people have taken the opportunity to improve their homes during lockdown, you may well have been busier than before over the last few years. And so those uncertain conditions, when it's one week busy, one week unable to work, must have been hugely challenging for you. And I hope uh, and trust that you've been able to start getting on a more even keel. Now we've started to reopen the, the economy and working through those gears to recovery. And we know that it's always small businesses that power every recovery. Entrepreneurs creating those jobs, those opportunities for people to develop. So thank you for all you are doing and you're going to be doing on that. And we will continue with our support to make sure that we can build back better. But we can't overlook the fact that the installation sector is facing some challenges at at present. I'm aware that a range of materials and goods that are essential to your businesses are in short supply nationally and indeed globally in some cases, and that prices for some are increasing significantly. I recognise that's a critical situation for a number of sectors, not just installation, and we're following events really closely. But as the world bounces back from COVID-19 and consumer demand spikes, we're seeing growing pains and inflationary pressures as well. As a government, we're looking at elements of the supply chain where we can really make a difference, and what we'll do what we can to help just as we intervene decisively to ease pressures on supply of fuel or increased testing capacity for HGV drivers.
0: On the flip side, Shadow Minister for Business and Consumers Seema Malhotra focused on the need for support for small businesses. For her, she says, a clearer plan is needed for how government could and should help them recover from the economic effects of the pandemic.
4: It is my view that people underestimate the contribution that you all make to our UK economy, to our local communities. And in that I want to pay tribute to the skills, the experience uh, and the passion that you have for the craft uh, that you are also leading on for our nation. And to thank you all for all that you do. Now I, I think it's very important to understand um, perhaps in a slightly different way to, go, to how the minister talked about business uh, and government, the government does have a very important role to play in ensuring that there is an enabling environment, an environment for success, that we do deal with the policy issues that may be constraining both the, the setup up and the growth of small businesses. And I watch those statistics as well, which are indicators of how businesses are doing. What we know is in the last three quarters, we've had a succession of 100,000, over 100,000 business deaths. That has never happened in the history of our statistics and of our country. So small businesses we know are really feeling the difficulties, and I know that in your sector it's been, um, you know, you've actually been able to keep going in different ways, but the environment for success is a responsibility of government, and it is a responsibility that I think as parliamentarians that we also take very seriously. And we know that SMEs, frankly, are the backbone of the economy. Um, you know that. I know that. You know, the the, the major, vast majority of people, 99% of people uh, employed in, the, uh, in our economy, um, are employed uh, in small businesses. And that's statistics from the Federation of Small Businesses as well. So your, your businesses um, and your sector is at the heart of our communities and also our supply chains. Um, and your success can only be in, uh, continue to be ensured if government works with business and ensures that uh, where there are challenges and where things are making life harder for businesses, that we work to make life easier um but to tackle these we need um uh, british businesses do need a government that is on their side and it is why we set the challenge to the government in parliament about saying that labor is actually the, the party that is uh, very clearly wanting to be on the side of business at this time and wanting to have a plan a very clear plan for how we will support businesses recover from the pandemic not just to survive but also to thrive Look, I'm very passionate about our support for business because when I go around our constitu- my constituency, I see time and again how businesses are playing their part, how they've- businesses have done everything they can to support communities during the... Um, the the darker days of COVID as well and we owe it to businesses to help them survive and to grow and be part of our economic recovery. It's one of the reasons why we'll support our tax system to make it fit for the 21st century by reforming it so that it's fairer, more more efficient and shifts the burden of tax um, away from uh, the, the high street and small businesses and creates a more level playing field with online businesses that have done frankly very well during the pandemic. Let me just say a few words about skills because I'm very conscious, as you are, that making sure there's a really strong skills pipeline is critical to survival of the sector, but also to make sure that you can help keep uh, some of the costs of labour more in line with what people might be able to uh, afford as well and that there is um, the opportunity for the development of skills and uh, and opportunities uh, within um, the sector and we know that labour is is, there's a a real kind of challenge for labour shortages across the country in all sectors but one of the things that I do agree with and what Damien said um, last year is that we need to pull out all the stops to prepare this new generation of of skilled installers because skills development is absolutely essential for the industry and i do want to recognize the efforts that are being made um, in in trying to make sure that there is um, uh, more being done and that you have apprenticeships uh, coming into the workforce um, as well and, and it is critical that we address skills shortages um Uh, very urgently and that there is a clear um, plan to do so. It's one of the reasons why um, we want to make sure that young people are leaving education um, ready for work and ready for life supported by a council of skills advisors and we want to rethink how we deliver education and lifelong learning that is fit for the 21st century. It's one of the reasons we would start now with a plan to create apprenticeship opportunities for young people um, that would have seen over 100,000 extra apprenticeships created this year to help drive our economic recovery. And we would want to do this working hand in hand with business and all our sectors um, to identify those key gaps, just as the British Institute of Kitchen, Bedroom and Bathroom Installation is doing through launching uh, your initiative as well to address um, the, the skills crisis in your sector. But I also think it's about investing in key facilities in our communities and uh, an example being the Felton Skills Centre in my constituency where I've seen um, uh, the amazing and, and productive way in which they've got um, kind of uh, learning through um, uh, through uh, having real-life examples of uh, kitchens and, um, and bathrooms, um, makeshift kitchens and bathrooms, so that you can actually learn together and with experts from industry how to do things in practice. And having young people go in and young adults who need a second chance as well or may have made a life choice uh, to be going into a, a, a different sector to be able to experience developing those skills um, uh, in a real-life environment as well. But it is our view as well, that um, the government isn't doing enough to be dealing with the supply chain difficulties that we've seen. Uh, It won't be a surprise to the Minister, because I've challenged him in this in Parliament um, since last summer as well. And those shortages that we've seen, whether it's also the HGV shortage and um, uh, and raw material shortages, product shortages, um, we need to be seeing more done to, to tackle that. Um, and more done in making life easier at the borders and at the ports, uh, because hold-ups where they don't need to be are, absolutely are within the control of this government. Uh, but it's also clear to us that with all these difficulties still being faced, that the new jobs tax coming in from the government is a, in, a, in April is utterly wrong. It is wrong to be taking forward with, going forward with that tax um, at this time. It's the wrong tax at the wrong time when businesses are also still recovering the, from the pandemic, and we need to make sure that consumers are able Able to spend to support their families and to keep the economy going.
0: Shadow Minister for Business and Consumers Seema Malhotra there. So that's the views from the politicians but let's get a bit of real world context now just what has been the actual quantitative effect on the construction and home improvement markets of the last two years of upheaval and what does that therefore mean for the number of skilled tradesmen needed. Here's Abdul Tantoush from AMA Research.
5: I'll start by assessing the construction output over the recent past. So in 2020, the UK construction output dropped by 14%. And that was against an overall UK economy drop of 9%. Since March 2020, we saw a surge in demand for materials and products driven by new um, large-scale infrastructure projects, but also a big rise in home improvement projects, especially during the first lockdown. And that was followed by... Good growth in 2021, and as we know, it was a year of building back. But after a strong first half, in which the second quarter grew by 10% from the first quarter leveled, the third quarter, however, slowed down, reaching quarterly growth of 4%. Now, the future pipeline, however, is still a cause for concern. And in, in regards to new build, infrastructure is the only sector that has a stronger pipeline in 2021 than it did in 2020. But we know the lockdowns in 2020 affected everything, including the overall drop in construction. But if we look at repair, maintenance and improvement, or as it's referred to as RMI and new build, we can see that RMI was notably stronger during the course of 2020 than new build. The drop in RMI was comparatively small at just 9%, whereas new build dropped by 16%. However, as things normalized, the growth in RMI has slowed down. We also saw in 2020 that the contractors working in private housing, RMI, particularly had a, had a difficult year. But the most recent data is much more, much more encouraging, with output data recovering quite quickly, with output levels sorry, recovering quite quickly following the initial shock of the lockdown, first national lockdown in March and April. And the monthly output levels have reached the highest in over a decade by March 2021. And that was at 2.1 billion pounds. Labor shortages, obviously, it's, a, it's one of the major topics in this um, conference. But we know that net zero is a challenge. But it's also a unique opportunity for the industry to grow, modernize, and create a green jobs revolution. But first, before, the industry must first attract a more diverse workforce into key occupations with large forecast skill shortages. We also know that employers are still finding it difficult to fill in vacancies and employ people with the right qualifications, skills, and experience. And that's evident in the ONS data that shows the 70% increase in UK construction job vacancies that's in 2021 from 2020, which is still a 36% increase from 2019 pre-pandemic. Now, the diminishing uptake of the profession is also evident in the declining number of 16- to 19-year-olds coming into the profession. And that number has declined from 55,200 in 2015 to 53,200 in 2020. Now, the the UK construction industry has grappled with with, um, labor shortages for many years or skilled labor shortages for many years. And one of the reasons is the age profile of the workforce. 37% of the workforce in 2020 were over 50, and that's up from 32% in 2015. Urgent action is needed, really, to, 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 to train a new generation, as the minister said, shadow minister said, to train a new generation of skilled workers to come into the industry and take on those jobs for the future, not to, close, not to only to demand, but also to close the gap between the demand and the available labour to carry out the work. Um, when we think of training, we know that a lower proportion of firms in construction provide training than any other sector. And therefore, urgent action is needed there as well to, to make sure the training and educational infrastructure is responsive to the emerging, emerging skill requirements, but also to the future training needs of employers. The double shocks of uh, uh, Brexit and covid with the UK uh, have exacerbated these problems with the UK withdrawal from the EU happening alongside the pandemic. Many tradesmen have left the UK, back to their homelands, and many HGV drivers as well. There's another thing that I wanted to mention, which was the rogue traders, and this has been an increasing problem in, over the recent past. So in the recent past, rogue traders have become an increasing problem for councils as they've been increasingly warning against them. And that's that's partly due to the increase in time weight in the wait time for installations. And the I'll give you an example. Kitchen installations take approximately four months to to take place. And that's that's resulted in an estimated fifteen percent of consumers being hit by rogue traders. And I must say that four months is up to four months. Rogue traders take work from quality, competent workers. And as the wait and time and prices increase, consumers will be drawn to take on offers from drug traders rather than licensed contractors. And therefore, it is clear that the industry is in urgent need to be regulated.
0: And there's the use of that word urgent again. There's no question that the BIKBBI is making significant progress in establishing specific training and apprenticeships in the KBB installation arena. However, this is useless without persuading people, particularly young people, to want to pursue it as a career and take up those apprenticeships. Stuart Lawrence is the brother of Stephen Lawrence, murdered in South London in 1993, and also, it turns out, an old-school friend of Damien Walters. He has dedicated his life to working with young people and helping them improve their outlook. He's a really inspiring guy, and clearly a great person to ask about bringing them into vocational learning. But surely it's wrong to assume that everyone between certain ages are all motivated by the same thing. So what exactly is a young person anyway, and where do you start if you want to appeal to them?
6: I, I think it starts as early as possible. I think um, young people. So I've got an eleven-year-old, and we, we, he's got a 13, 14 year fourteen-year-olds now. And then for me, the earlier you can start having a conversation with young people about, so what's next? What are you going to do? So at the moment, Theo, eleven, want to be a professional footballer. Like, yeah, that's that's right. Okay, cool. So when that career ends at thirty-five, what's next? Mm. What are you going to do next? This is the reason why you go to school, etc., etc. But for me, is what do you like to do? Mm. And, it's, and it's, it's not just about English, math, science. There are options. But what about the creative subjects? Like, this, this industry is worth how many billions? We're supposed to be world leaders in this industry, in this country. But again, somehow the government thinks that if you're an actor or in that profession, go and retrain, they said. Mm. That's what they said during the pandemic. Mm. Thanks for your service. Thanks for entertaining us. Thanks for keeping us going. Thanks for... Keep us entertained during the pandemic, but but, but do you know what, go back and retrain and do something else because we need people to put fruit and veg. It just doesn't quite make sense in some sort of way really. So for me, a young person really is anyone that, that feels like they want an opportunity to do something different.
0: And that's difficult as it is to discuss. Bringing young people into this industry is difficult, but it's also not a very diverse industry. If this sector is to attract new people, it needs to cast as wide a net as possible. But the majority of kitchen and bathroom installers are white men in their fifties. So why is this? Here's Stuart Lawrence again.
6: You promote and you encourage what you know and what you see. It's, it's innate in all of us. This this idea of like-mindedness and connection and feeling, and we all want to feel comfortable. We all want to. So therefore, it's no one's. I wouldn't say it's exactly one person's fault. And again, it comes back to the whole thing where. As a society, culturally, we're always told to better ourselves. So, therefore, education and going to, like, going to, doing your A levels and going to university is promoted so heavily in the black community as a way to succeed, to get yourself out of social mobility, to move yourself on. That if you then turn around to your parents and say, Oh, Joe mum, I'm going to do something a bit creative, or like, they go, Well, what? no, 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 no. Oh, And then I've spoken to so many young individuals, like 22, 23, who finish university, come out of some amazing qualifications, some amazing places, and go, Well, I've done that for my mum and mum now. I'm now going to go off and do this for myself. Mm -hmm. So, so therefore, that may be also the model. Maybe we'd have to catch them a bit later as they come out of university and say to them, Well, you've done this, but what about using your skill set? That you've learned and diverse and going to this field and taking it forward to this way and, and bringing your experience through this way instead.
0: One man who has, by his own admission, only recently realized the urgency in tackling these installation issues is Stephen Johnson, the managing director of Cougar UK. He has given the BIKBBI £250,000 this year to help fund direct action, and he argues it is the direct responsibility of others in the sector to make equivalent commitments before it's too late.
7: So where are we as an industry? The Covid crisis and Brexit undoubtedly shook us all with considerable and persistent financial pressures. Stealth welfare strains placed on manufacturers and businesses across the country... The issues still remain for some today. We have undergone some of the toughest trading conditions the industry has ever faced. At KUKA, we too felt the strain. We saw firsthand how it affected smaller retailers and how changing consumer habits have dramatically impacted sales. However, during these difficult times, brands are faced with two options. One, they can shrivel up and remain inward-facing. Or two, they can choose to work together, sharing expertise and resources to help the industry rebuild, recover and thrive. That's why over the last two years, we have launched numerous and countless initiatives to help our dealers, installers and the wider KBB network. We are passionate about this, and we'll feel strongly that we have a responsibility to support the wider industry. So you may think that's great, but what's the point of the story? Well, if I'm truthful, I'm embarrassed and disappointed that until I met Damien back in 2020, I was not aware and was totally ignorant to the crisis that we're currently faced with. Industry guests, we have a huge problem. We have a skills crisis. It exists today and we are all going to feel some pain. It is therefore essential that we unite to bring more young people and diversity into our industry. If we do not, we will fail. I have to say it again, that I personally remain embarrassed and disappointed that I was not alive to the problems that existed. There is a skills gap. It exists. And all the work and effort we do now will resolve it. However, it's a long-term job. It may take 10 years to cure. That's why last year we pledged 200 and £50,000 annually as an initiative to address this problem. I will continue to offer the same level of support for at least the next three years, but hopefully much, much longer. It's the first figure that went into this year's budget. It's important to understand, though, that even if we all pull together and give it 150%, We're not going to avoid this crisis. It's going to take at least five years before we begin to see any progress that will fix the systemic failure in our industry. And if we don't foster more support and more funding, it could take even longer. A skills shortage means no installers. Without installers... We have no industry. That's why as a company, as I say, we have invested over £250,000 into the BIKBBI. This has helped to advance some initiatives far earlier than would have otherwise been possible. We cannot do this alone. We need others to invest and we need funding to ensure we can fix this problem quick time. You can have the most amazing product in the world. However, one must remember, it is the installer that leaves the lasting impression. My call to you today is to please, please, take some time to understand the issue. Engage with it. I beg and urge you to do what you can to help in whatever way you can. I appreciate we have companies of different sizes and scale. And even if you can only invest £250, I urge you to do it. If we can get 1,000 companies to invest £500 each, that's £500,000. A 1,000 companies... £500 each is £500,000. We are in a competitive world, and the KBB industry needs to raise its profile. We must compete with the likes of Google, Apple, Facebook, huge and immensely wealthy organisations in order to attract and retain the best young talent this will be no easy task. Without it, the industry dies. It is as simple as that. But we're a creative bunch. We make people's better lives better through the power of design and creativity. I've grown up in this industry. I'm in my 35th year, and I passionately believe we all have a wider responsibility to support wherever possible. It is essential, therefore, that companies and retailers unite and do what they can to help save our industry. So as I close my speech, I truly hope that as an industry we can raise the profile of the crisis and ensure Damien and his amazing institute receive the funding they need to ensure we can fix this skills crisis in double-quick time. Many, many thanks for your time and please, please, please engage in Damien's process because if you don't, our industry dies.
0: That was Stephen Johnson from Kuka at the end there with a real call to action for other like-minded business owners. There's no question that the installation skill shortage is seeing some real action for many people and certainly those who came to the conference could not have left in any doubt of the seriousness of the situation as the BIKBBI see it. While it must be said there was a lack of any real tangible commitments from the politicians, the fact that they were there at all to speak indicates that the profile of the sector is on the ascendancy and yes, we can't deny that the pandemic has been a big part of that. So as always, let's see what happens next. Don't forget that we're down to the last few tickets for the KBB Review Retail and Design Awards 2022 event on March the 7th in Birmingham. Go to kbbreview.com forward slash awards to find out everything you need to know. And I'll see you next time.